The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For those people who believe in, in jinxing other players, people, and whatever it may be, Thursday morning... When I was on my golf, on getting on the golf cart to get to this putting green 10 minutes before my tee time, I saw a text from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to name him because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. Um, he he said the text. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase here, but he said that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now. 10 minutes before I four putted to start the tournament. <laughs> So, thank you, Zach. (laughs) Don't ever do that again, please. Of all the guys from the NFL who could have been name-checked by the guy wearing the latest green jacket, I don't know what the odds would have been for Zach Ertz. Would have been fairly low down the list. John Rom in a group text with J.J. Watt and Zach Ertz. Yeah, ballers. That must be an interesting group text. So, I look, I don't follow golf closely, so I hadn't really heard of John Rom. John Ham, yes. John Rom, no. So, now I have. Now we all have because he won the Masters yesterday. I actually watched a little bit of it because we had a house full of people who were very interested in it, so I had to put it on. All right, good. I heard some of the fake Good, I'm glad they forced it on you. That's 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 why. I know it made it actually harder because of Easter. Like, it was hard to watch, and I didn't get to sit in the couch and quite enjoy it like I always do because kids and Easter egg hunt and, hey, let's go have a baseball catch, but... Nonetheless, it was pretty cool. The weather messed some things up for sure. Rom's won the U.S. Open, so this is not his first rodeo into stardom, right? Yeah, it was the U.S. Open. Maybe it was the PGA. It's it's his second major is what I'm telling you. But, damn, I guess he hangs out with Zach Ertz and J.J. Watt, and they play golf. So they've been in a threesome, a foursome, whatever, and they're texting that casually before the first round of the Masters, so they must be boys. As I've said before, the PGA Championship is the Ringo star of golf majors. It's the one that they just had to wedge in there to make it 
to four, just like the Australian Open in tennis. Like, nobody cares about the Australian Open. Oh, how dare Open. you? I care about both of them. How dare one. you? Disrespect. We needed, a, we needed di- a fourth one to make <laughs> it four. It can't be three. It's got to be four. The rest of the world does everything in threes. Golf and tennis feel compelled to have four. It all goes back to baseball. Four bases, grand slam, got to have four. Three's not good enough, got to have four. So, anyway, I, I don't follow golf closely enough, John Rahm. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't know who you were before this weekend, but now I do because... You have the green jacket, the nice new green jacket that signifies your victory. So congratulations, 3.24 million. I remember when I was a kid and I used to pour over the inside cover of the sports section because it had all the statistics and the numbers and the facts and the figures and they would have the golf tour money leaderboard. And I remember noticing... At one point, I think it's the first time that like someone making a lot of money registered for me. I saw Tom Watson had made, and this was by September, October, when it's all winding down, $350,000, and he was the leader for the golf season. And I remember thinking, holy shit, that is a lot of money. (laughs) And that was the money he had made as the leader on the tour by September, October, $350,000. Now you get $3.24 million for winning one event. So the world has changed, obviously. Obviously. I mean, back then you could get gas for 17 cents a gallon. But still, that was my first moment when I recognized that there are some athletes that make a ton of money. And to me, that was just like eye-popping, mind-blowing 350000 for a golfer. It didn't cause me to go out and learn how to golf but it did cause me to be very impressed with Tom Watson. Yeah, well, hey, you should be. He's a legend too. Yeah, they're they're raking it in, and yeah, they're probably they're they're uh, they're their earnings when you look at it in September are a little higher than three hundred fifty thousand these this day and age. I don't even know what they are anymore. You know, li li the the live golf series and all that yeah. that's changed everything, right? So I I don't even. It's hurt the sport to a degree, but yesterday was cool. It is one of the coolest traditions in all of sports, the green jacket. I do like that. I don't like it being on Easter, right? Can Easter – do you think that was good for the ratings, that it was on Easter, right? I got to think that hurts it, ultimately, that people got family stuff going on. We missed a period of time to eat, you know, Easter dinner and do all that. So I can't imagine that's a good thing. But either way, always a good tradition. Start of spring. That's kind of how I look at the Masters. Here's here's the thing about Easter, and I have 12 years of Catholic education. I have been a lifelong Catholic. Don't tell anybody, but I haven't been to church since before the pandemic. So that's a different story altogether. Doesn't sound like a lifelong Catholic to me. Sounds like a— Once you fall out of that habit— Before COVID. Once you fall out of that habit— Yeah. Once you fall out of that habit, it's kind of hard to get back on the horse. Once you once you start once you start sleeping in on Sundays, I mean, I feel like Homer Simpson when he decided to skip church and make moon waffles and and just kind of hang out. Like once you get used to doing that, it's kind of hard to get back into the habit. But I never figured out, and I don't think anyone ever even explained to me how they understand and determine when Easter is every given year. It's like they throw a dart every year at all of the various Sundays from mid-March until yeah, I don't get the, middle I, I April. I don't understand the formula. And they just pick one and work backward. Right. I have no idea where the Easter selection process comes from. I mean, for everything else we know, Thanksgiving, fourth Thursday in November. Right. 
Christmas is always December 25, in case you didn't know. Like for every other holiday, it's it's a set day every year. You can look at your calendar without any guidance and know when it's going to be with Easter. I don't know. And so like when they set the Masters, I guess there's a chance every year. And I'm sure it's not the first time the Masters has landed. No, but it's the first time in a while. Sunday because. Yeah. I don't know because they don't watch the Masters. Yeah. So it's the first time I can remember us talking about the Masters the day after Easter. So the only thing about Easter this year, I didn't have any candy. Like, I just, I I don't know. My tastes have changed. Like, I, I don't, when I was a kid, Easter was special because there wasn't much candy around the house. And you get this basket wrapped in plastic that had this, like, like this funky chocolate that, that broke your teeth that really wasn't all that good, but you ate it because they gave it to you on Easter and it was special. Like now you have candy whenever you want. When you're a grown up, you have candy whenever you want to have candy. So there's nothing special about having a bunch of candy around. No, I mean, it's, it's yes, you're right. But it it, like, we're a, we're a family that does not have candy around a lot. So when the holiday comes around like this, it's excessive and it's gross. And I've eaten more little freaking peanut butter cup Easter eggs the last few days and uh, Sour Patch kids that are shaped like bunnies and all kinds of crap like that to where like when I start to eat too much sugar and do all that, yeah, I feel it. I feel I start to get cold sores, everything. So I've eaten way too much sugar. Even yesterday, I'm putting sugar in the damn eggs for the Easter egg hunt. And, you know, I'm shoving my face as I'm doing it. I'm putting two or three in there, eating one in my face, putting two or three in another egg, close it up, eat another one. I mean, I'm disgusted with myself this morning. I really am. I'm like, I feel like crap. Who in the Sims family household is the one that lays down the law on not having candy around? I have a feeling it's not you, no, given how much candy you ate this weekend. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want it around, but it's, it's, it's Danielle. It's my wife. But she's the one that's like the health nut of the family that is totally, you know, just, just always on top of her game when it comes to health, nutrition, any of that. And, yeah, candy, stuff like that's not going to make it in the house. There's no way. So, yeah, and if it is candy or anything sugar, it's like – it's stuff that she feels is the the healthiest version of that, that your body can process it, and it's not crap that's made in, you know, some lab or factory as much. That That's the way we kind of live in our household, but not on the holidays. Then we kind of break some rules or, for weekends like this. So, you know, what, do you make your own chocolate? Like a vat of chocolate out no, in the backyard with like, the chickens and the animals running yeah, around? Yeah, not exactly. She just buys, like, all the organic stuff in the world, and it's always got to have right, the right ingredients and things that she thinks are going to be best for her family. So, she's the sergeant general. I don't mess with her in that department. If she gets it, that's it. She's the boss, and okay, and I just eat it and, and be happy. That's what I do. I have a theory about all the organic food because I see it at the grocery store. I go once a week. It's the one thing I do that that is very concrete and specific. You have a list of what you want. You get it. You bring it home. You put it away. You've accomplished something. There's something very linear and basic about it that I love. But I see the organic food all the time. And my wife airs on the side of the organic choices. I just think it's all the same shit. Oh, and they that- put it in a wrapper that says organic and they charge more money for it. That's my that's my reckless conspiracy theory that is completely unprovable and entirely wrong. Please don't sue me every organic 
food company out there. But every time I see like the organic candy, I'm thinking that's just the regular stuff. Nah. They're just putting a special label on it and they're charging more for nah, it. I know, I know, and that's it's. But it, there's a difference, and there, there's a difference, and you can tell. And once you start to eat that way, you can tell the difference, and you can feel the difference too. That's what I would say. You know, to, to those out there who are a little skeptical about the organic thing, I understand it. I get it. It is. It's overpriced, too, right? And I don't think it's a perfect process, to your point. But, you know, no, there are some companies that are trying to do their best to put things into this food that is, like, better than, yes, yeah, some of the big brand name companies who have taken the cheap way out and giving you the cheapest version of the ingredients in there. And you go, well, that's not even really food they're making that with. That's like a lab concoction, and I, I, I'm dead serious, Mike. I really do. No, I notice the difference in the taste and even the way I feel after if I eat some of those foods. So I, I would recommend it. Jump on Jill's bandwagon, and come on, Jill. Keep on the organic stuff with uh, your husband here. Well, I, I mean, look, it's not like I can reject that that's what we have in the house, so I have to eat Good. it. Like, Good. So anyway, I just, I just wonder when I see it. I noticed organic – Reese's peanut butter eggs the other day and I thought those are just regular peanut butter eggs that they put in the different wrapper and they charge more because the people who buy organic food have more money to spend they have higher discretionary income and they think that it's all better and different and it really isn't it's the same stuff anyway that I and I'm just kidding please don't sue me any company out there that makes organic food I got to tell you my Easter egg story that I just remembered I usually think of this every year before I, I tell you that story I got to ask you when you do the Easter egg hunt, yeah. are they eggs that were produced by Daffodil and company on the Sims family no, farm? No, they're just the plastic plastic eggs. Plastic eggs. Mostly, plastic? Oh, you know, that's bad for the environment, Captain Planet. You're using plastic yeah. eggs? Yeah. I hope you don't throw any of them away. <laughs> I hope, I hope not you either. save them all and use them over and over again year after year after year. I hope so, too. Trust me. I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't. But, yeah, eggs with candy, plastic eggs with candy, you can close up and open. And then throw some cash in a few, right? We had like a golden egg that had like thirty dollars in it. We had another golden egg that had like thirty 20. bucks. Yeah, right. I guess you can Life's hide changed. money. Life's changed a little bit from your day there, Slugger. Sorry. Yeah, thirty dollars we gave out yesterday. <laughs> Who got the thirty bucks? You? Oh, you know what the best part of it? No, my sixteen-year-old got it. That's the best part of it. Everybody's going crazy for it. My sixteen-year-old is being nice and kind of helped out. She found it. I, I put it in the little rock wall, and she, she figured it out. So it's, it's the best, best person you know, to You know get what it. she can do? You know what she can do with the 30 bucks? What's you know what that? she can do? All right. She can, she can buy a pack of three organic Reese's peanut butter eggs. <laughs> that's bucks. right. Hey, yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> here, here, here's my Easter egg story, because that was always the big deal when I was a kid, coloring the eggs. You would, you would uh, speaking of uh, chemicals uh, by major manufacturing companies, God only knows what was in those little vats where you would dip the eggs. You had that that yeah. stupid little, little wire thing. Wire it was a circle. balancing act, right. and you yeah. drop yeah. the egg down and lift the egg up. And right. It was this magical process. And anyway, um, we always ate the eggs afterward, the hard boiled eggs. And I, I don't really like hard boiled eggs, but you know that's kind of special. You, you take the egg and you break it open, you peel it off. So. Uh, one year I decided, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because Easter fell on April Fool's Day or whatever it was, but I decided to color an egg that wasn't hard-boiled and put it in with the others. <laughs> and, 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 and my dad my dad is the one who got it, and, you know, you smack it down to break it to get the a shell off, and the egg went everywhere. And I, I wasn't there to appreciate it. I was outside or I was with my friend somewhere, but yeah. I heard all about how dad busted the the uncooked 
raw Easter egg that you I would stuck be in that guy that does that. Yeah, I'm not shocked it to was... hear that. I'm not not shocking at all. Yes, thank, and good thing you weren't in the house. Oh. I bet uh, your dad might have had a a few things to say to you if you were there. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, from what I heard, it was not a pleasant experience for those who got to who got to deal with the aftermath of Dad busting the uncooked uh, Easter egg. All right, let's get to it. Let's do it. Uh, I, I I posted yesterday morning because I had a flashback to Easter Sunday, 2010, late afternoon. Everyone's minding their own business, not watching the Masters that year, though. I do remember that, and the. Eagles trade Donovan McNabb to Washington right. three days after Andy Reid, coach of the Eagles at the time, said McNabb will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles in 2010. Three days later, they traded him to, to Washington in the division. Big controversy. Big story. I had to drop everything I was doing. Copy, paste, snarky comment. Bunch of stories, different angles, different examinations of what was going to happen moving forward. Just turned Easter upside down. I didn't expect anything like that yesterday, and this isn't in the same category, but it it was a stunner. Odell Beckham Jr., the day before he was going to go have a meeting with the Jets, and they were going to try to thread the needle and put it all together and come up with something, come up with a way to see if they could align him with Aaron Rodgers, and I think the Jets were very concerned about how much money they were going to pay him. As he's getting ready for that, the Ravens, who reportedly made an offer last week, they swoop in and they get it done. They plucked OBJ away from the Jets before they had a chance to even meet with him. And when I saw the terms, one year, when I saw one year up to $18 million, I thought, well, what's the base and yeah. what's the incentives and right. what's he got to do to get right. to $18 million? $15 million guaranteed yeah. with $3 million of what they're calling reachable incentives. We'll see how reachable. Let's just, let's just wait. Let's, let's not – hey, folks who do this for a living, you don't have to, like, put your lips on the agent's butt every single time and put – favorable information out there reachable incentives we'll be the judge of reachable when we see what the contract says maybe they are maybe they aren't but i'm always skeptical about what's put out there but i'm not skeptical because it was multiple reports that he's making 15 million minimum on a one-year deal and he can make three million more just 22 days after he chafed the idea he's looking for 20 million well you didn't get 18 obj if you weren't looking for 20 so can we stop that i wasn't looking for 20 there's no freaking way you weren't looking for 20 if you got 18 no, it, well, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, I, I don't think you know we were wrong to feel that that was the number that was being asked or talked about. We heard that going back into last football season, so I don't think that was crazy by us. No, there was not a direct quote by the great OBJ on twenty million, but obviously he had told some people that because it was circulating with too many people in the know in the NFL. I'm like you, was shocked. I didn't think he'd get $15 million. And not to be one, I, I think you and I both look at it and go, hey, he's worth $15 million. We know that. But the way the NFL works and injuries and all that, yeah, I did not expect it to be anything like this. I thought maybe he'd get 9 maybe 10 12 somewhere in there at the most, right? So uh, it's a big investment for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, one, I think it's like for Odell, it shows maybe there's not a lot of great options out there. And this is obviously maybe the best offer that was made to him there, right? So there's there's that matter, and then a little bit of like what Baltimore's doing here, you know. I, I mean, again, bolstering their wide receiver room and putting pressure on the Lamar Jackson situation a little bit to be like, hey, look, we're we're helping you, we're supporting you here. So uh, interesting move there on a Sunday by the Ravens and OBJ. Totally didn't expect that. 
There's a bunch of different ways to look at this, though. The Ravens are the team that can't attract receivers. The Ravens are the team that draft them and then see them want to leave, like Hollywood Brown did a year ago when he was traded on draft night to the Cardinals. I think that they had to pay a premium premium. to get OBJ. I agree. Because what I was hearing yesterday, one of the things I was going to write last night the Jets, my understanding, it was going to be a low base with a lot of incentives tied to playing time, production. They were going to give him not much money. They were going to offer him not much money. And I have a feeling he already knew what it was going to be. Yeah, right. You don't cancel the trip to the Jets without first theoretically, Theory. hypothetically engaging in the conversation. Right. What Hey, Jets, what yeah. ballpark are you in? Right. What What are we looking at here? would agree with and that, Mike. I think the Ravens had to just blow it out of the water yeah. to get OBJ. It had to be so much that there was no way he was going to say no. There was always going to be an ego component to this. And he's getting what he wanted. He's getting something that values him relative to other high-end receivers. The problem is we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Yeah. He doesn't know the quarterback on the team. He could have gone to the Jets with Aaron Rodgers and maybe the Chiefs were lurking until the number fell to the right point and they were going to make their move. No one was going to pay him what the Ravens paid him. I think the Ravens paid him. It was a combination of bright, shiny object at a time when it feels like the Ravens are reeling with the Lamar Jackson situation. Right. Getting a receiver to choose to come to Baltimore after years of receivers saying, no, thank you. I can't wait to get out. And maybe a magnet for Lamar Jackson. A combination of a magnet for Lamar Jackson right. and and take a little of the heat off of the team. We can pay someone. We can even overpay someone. We, we're capable of getting someone to say yes. Even if we have to throw more money on the table than we should, we are capable of getting someone to say yes. That's what I've been saying. That was the common link between Lamar Jackson and OBJ. One of them, both of them, they have to say yes for their careers to continue. It's on them at some point to say yes. And the Ravens made OBJ an offer he couldn't say no to. Or an offer he could. I'm going to make an offer he can't refuse. That was horrible. But but my point is they, they put the money on the table for OBJ. Now they put the money on the table for Lamar Jackson. But this creates the impression that, they will. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. We'll see. Right. It creates the impression they want them, and they're going, hey, look, like we're getting some guys here for you. We still think you're the future of our football team. We know they've put money down on the table already. That's quite significant. It's not there, you know. But unlike OBJ in that situation, OBJ, yeah, he had a scenario here where, you know, one team got a little desperate in Baltimore and was like, okay, well, we need the position. We need some help. And we'll overpay whatever that premium is. I mean, I think you said it right, Mike. I mean, if the numbers were close between the Jets and the Ravens and you know the quarterback's going to be Aaron Rodgers, which we all know, uh, you don't just make a decision this quickly. Obviously, the numbers were not the same or not even the same ballpark. So because of that, you make this decision and you go, well, I hope I can, you know, help talk Lamar Jackson into coming to the Ravens and being here. The, The move itself... I don't want to say this to be disrespectful, Mike, but it has a little bit of, like, desperation on both sides. That's honestly what went through my head a little there. One guy that's desperate to be paid and feel loved by a team and a team that's, like, a little desperate to, like you said, positive news. We need a receiver here. We need somebody that's kind of proven and knows how to play. Those guys don't really want to come here right now, so we got to pay a little more for it. 
So there's a little bit of a desperation thing, not to say that that is a, a bad thing, but I do think that's what brought it together. And, uh, you know, you look at Baltimore now and you go OBJ and Nelson Aguilar and Rashad Bateman if he's healthy with Mark Andrews at tight end. And we just go, damn, that's a pretty good group right there if they can all stay healthy. So there's some positive things there, at least for Lamar to latch on uh, to if, if he does sign a contract or come back here to Baltimore. I don't think it's disrespectful to call it like it is. Okay. It is a yeah, desperate right. move by yeah. the Ravens. It is a desperate move okay. by OBJ. It shows what he was motivated by. What are you motivated by? And it's fine to be motivated by money. I'm thinking back to Tom Watson, 350 grand. Hey, this is pretty good. You know, it's a lot of money back in the day. 18 million up to 18 million, but 15 million in the bag for OBJ is a lot of money considering the risk you're assuming. And we spent plenty of time in recent weeks talking about the teams that could and couldn't afford to take that risk. The Bills, in my opinion, and I think you agreed with me, they couldn't afford to go out and sign OBJ when right. he's got a torn ACL, same knee twice, and their big move last year, their big splash, Vaughn Miller tears an ACL during the season. If you're Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, how do you in good conscience justify spending the money to get OBJ knowing that you're accepting the risk that he's going to tear that ACL again. And if he does, what are you going to say? I didn't know this could happen. How could you not know it could happen? The Ravens know there's a chance that there's going to be continuing issues with that knee. This is a guy who turns 31 this year. This is a guy whose best days are behind him. I'll be stunned if we see classic OBJ with the Giant, or like he was with the Giants, and and flashes with the Browns, and you know, look, he was starting to get it back together again with the Rams. It was yeah, but it took a while. And hey, here's the other side of this too. Remember when it was four years ago now, when he gets traded to the Browns, and when the offseason program began, right around now, four years ago. It's Baker Mayfield, it's Odo Beckham Jr., it's Jarvis Landry, all three of them there, like the Beatles. They're there on the front. All they needed was Ringo, the fourth. They needed the PGA Championship or the Australian Open, and they would have had a foursome. They're, they're, they're there together doing the media availability. Cleveland rock stars. Here they are. And then what happened the next day? OBJ's gone. And he, when did he come back? I think for the mandatory minicamp. And I think that was the beginning of the frustration and the aggravation because Baker Mayfield wanted him to be there. He wanted him to be all in. You know, we've been asking that question about Aaron Rodgers. Once he's officially in New York, is he going to be there for the offseason program? Right. I think that's the next question for Odell Beckham Jr. Is he going to be there? I don't see anything in that breakdown about a you know $500,000 offseason workout bonus or anything like that to attract him to Baltimore for the offseason program. Uh, I, yeah, I, think, I think if you're the Ravens, you're, you're going into this accepting the fact he ain't going to be there. Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, there, there there's a possibility of that. You know, hopefully not. Hopefully, at least, I would think OTAs at the very least, he'll be there for that to get the offense and do all of that. But, yeah, I, on a daily basis, being there for the, the training exercises and just the workouts, yeah, I, I, we'll see. I don't know how much he'll be there. The one thing we know about OBJ is he will be healthy and ready to go when he works. That's that's not question. Right, but yeah, as you're saying too, if the, you know what? What I would think a part of them is wanting OBJ too is, you know, maybe what he could do for Rashad Bateman, help out a young guy, development there. Again, it's a culture thing to a degree, and the Ravens do have a little bit of a special knack with guys like this who are maybe what we look at towards the end of their career, but there's really some more 
gasoline in the tank and there's a little edge and fire to them. You know, whether it's Calais Campbell that we just saw, Justin Houston, right? Odell Beckham Jr., they, they seem to, you know, find a way to get a little bit more out of these guys that are kind of coming towards maybe the end of their career or the plateau. And Baltimore, as we know, has an edge about it already. They already have a little bit of the John Harbaugh, it's us against the world type attitude. That's what they do. So this kind of fits within that mantra as well. I do like the marriage there. But, yeah, I don't know how much I like it until I know who the hell's playing quarterback, like you said. That's a huge thing. And we'll see how much OBJ, he'll like $15 million, but he might not like $15 million as much as he doesn't know who the hell's throwing the ball either. So that's where we'll, we'll see where this whole thing goes. And that's the thing. You fast forward it to October and November. I mean, the things that happen in March and April have a dotted line to the things that happen once the season gets going. Will he be content if things aren't working? Will Lamar be more inclined or less inclined to show up? What if Lamar isn't there? What if it's Tyler Huntley? What if it's someone else? What if the offense just doesn't work? Is he going to be the OBJ we saw when he was frustrated in New York? And at his core, he just wanted to win. But most receivers believe if I get the ball more, we're more likely to win. Right. If we're not winning as much as we could be or should be, and I'm not getting the ball as much as I want, if you would just get me the ball more, we would win. Right. And you can't prove the other side of it because they're not getting the ball as much as he wants. And it just becomes a major distraction. It becomes a major problem. And managing OBJ is going to be a big Part of this, it's one of the reasons why he was available. You got a guy who's going to be 31. You got a guy who wants to be paid for his reputation. You got a guy with a, an ACL that's been torn twice now. And you got a guy with a big personality. And do you really want to manage all those things? And I think there were plenty of teams that just didn't want to mess with it. And the Ravens, look, I think he benefits from, at, I don't want to say it's the core reason, but I really do at some level think the Ravens felt like they were compelled to show the world that this Lamar Jackson impasse right. isn't their fault. It goes back to Wednesday when they had Chad Steele run interference, when they got asked the question at the pre-draft press conference about Lamar Jackson, and they couldn't just answer it themselves. They had to have the PR guy say, we're not here today to answer questions about Lamar Jackson. And you saw John Harbaugh sitting there looking all nervous like it was a hostage video. It's like they're, they're really starting to get rattled by this. And when you get rattled, what do you do? What do you do? You do something to make you feel unrattled. I think paying OBJ what they paid him was their way of coming off as not being rattled by the Lamar Jackson situation. We're capable of controlling something. We're capable of getting a, a recalcitrant superstar to say yes to us. We got OBJ to say yes to us when he won't say yes to anybody else. Now we can get Lamar Jackson to say yes to us. And if he doesn't, it's his fault, not ours. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, disagree with what you're saying there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good piece of press or coverage, right, that gets everybody away from the Lamar thing maybe a little bit, to your point. And then it's... You know, the double whammy of that is it just puts more pressure on Lamar anyways. You know, the public, we could all sit here and go, look, hey, look what they're doing. They're trying to make this better. They still want Lamar. They want it to work. So it puts pressure. It's a double whammy that way. How much pressure does it put on him, though, Mike? That's, you know, like, what's Lamar feeling like? Of course, if he's he, he's happy, if you know you're going to be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, but is this, like, change things to the point where he's like, well, gosh, man, they signed OBJ. So I won't ask for $200 million guaranteed anymore. I'll come down to 180 Like, right? I don't know. Does it change anything other than just puts the public pressure on them more? 
I feel like that's really what it is more than anything. Like you said, it's like it changes the narrative a little bit and puts pressure on Lamar more than anything. I feel like those are the two things they accomplished here. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Lamar, the agent, should react to this by saying, what the hell are you doing? We've got finite dollars under the salary cap. You've been preaching that to me for the past couple of years, and you're going to go piss away this money on a guy that no one else is offering anything close to that to? Are you, who were you competing with when you offer $15 million fully guaranteed? Who are you competing against when you put that on the table. That's a fair question. You don't get to that kind of a number unless somebody else out there is at 14.9. That's how it works. And I, you know, it, it takes me back to, I think it was three years ago now, when Le'Veon Bell signed with the Jets, this ridiculous contract, when no one was competing. Yeah, they negotiated with themselves. With, right. Yeah. And the Ravens were the team that Le'Veon Bell's camp used throughout this phony baloney interest that the Ravens had in him when they weren't even in it. They weren't even chasing him. It's funny. It's the Ravens and the Jets again as the two teams in the OBJ situation. But the Jets weren't competing against anyone. They just felt compelled to go get Le'Veon Bell. And I feel like the same thing happened here. The Ravens felt compelled to go get him. Let's show the world we're capable of signing a veteran free agent. Let's show the world we're capable of getting a guy that's been saying no to everyone to say yes to us. Let's get a guy that if we sign him, we're going to, you know, we're starting to feel the walls close in on us to not have Lamar Jackson signed. Let's do something so, to show everybody that we know. I, I just, that's not well, how you should go about building a football team. If, that, if those are the factors, that's a mistake by the Ravens. No, well, yeah, I mean, yes, you're right. They need, they need the receiver. They need the talent. You know, are the other things going on that maybe add to that price tag? I, I don't. I'm with you there. I think probably yes. But so you're not sure that this is even a positive all the way for Lamar, I guess, if I'm hearing right with, with like what you're kind of trying to say there. You, you're you saying you could kind of see Lamar being like, what the hell? Why give that money away instead of, you well, know, what Lamar, I- the agent should be saying that I, you know, like I can't get 
I can't get from you what I deserve, and you're going to hand $15 million to a guy who doesn't deserve it, and I can't get what I deserve? Now, I don't know that Lamar, the agent, is going to view it that way, but if Lamar had an agent and they were in this impasse, of course, we get back to the dog chasing the tail thing because if Lamar had an agent, he would have had his contract two years ago, and he would have made about $41 million at least more over the last two years that's never coming back. He would have had the Josh Allen contract or maybe better. But Lamar, if he had an agent now, would react to this by saying, what the hell, Ravens? I can't get you to pay my guy, and you're going to go out, and you're going to pay $15 million? To a guy that can't get $15 million anywhere, can't get $10 million anywhere, can't get $8 million anywhere, you're guaranteeing $15 million to this guy for PR purposes? Get the well, heck maybe, out of here with well, that. Maybe, that's, what, that's what Lamar the agent should be saying to this. Well, but they, they could easily just be going, his money has nothing to do with what we've offered you. What, what, is that, what does that $15 million have to do with the 133 guaranteed we've already laid on the table here? You know that that that's, I know I know, I know. but but the no, point I know. is there's a finite number out. of dollars yeah. available. You're not paying me. You're not paying me what I have earned here. I've been here since 2018. I've been here for five years. I've been part of this organization, busting my ass to try to make this team as good as it can be. And you're just gonna throw 15 million dollars at some guy that's out there, some bright shiny object, to get people to maybe criticize you less for not paying me what I'm owed. I mean, again, that that's how the agent. Lamar Jackson should look at this. The player, maybe he's thrilled and maybe it's enough. Maybe, maybe now, maybe this is their way of enlisting OBJ to constantly work on Lamar to just accept the contract and show up. I wouldn't maybe be shocked. In a weird sort of way, he becomes the ambassador uh-huh. for the Ravens to try to talk Lamar into accepting the best offer on the table and showing up. If that's the case, maybe it's $15 million well spent. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. And see, look, here they are on the phone. And this is where Odell Beckham Jr., despite the rumors and just the bull crap that's out there, and you know this to be true too, he's loved. There's only been one teammate ever that hasn't had a great relationship, or two maybe. You know, Eli Manning and Baker Mayfield. You go into any of those other those locker rooms and ask anybody else, and they go, Odell Beckham Jr. is the coolest freaking guy on the team. He's the man. We love Odell. It does. It's, it's through and through. The Giants, the Browns, the Rams, all the way through. It's two people. And that's where, Mike, to your point, yeah, I think there could be something to that. Wow. He's got incredible. <laughs> but wait, time out. Time out. The two people that had a problem I know, with Odell Jr. were his starting quarterbacks. Yeah, I, yeah, I got that's it. That's kind of a problem. It is. He wasn't with the Rams long enough to have a problem with Matthew Stafford, <laughs> uh, so that doesn't count. But any team he was with for more than just half a season, the starting quarterback had a problem with him. Everybody else loved him, but the starting quarterback had a problem with him. So that's just something to file away if you're Lamar Jackson, Well, future it, reference. Well, yes, but there's more to it than that. As you know, there's lots of people that appoint figures at, uh, that uh, Baker Mayfield there in Cleveland. And then Eli, and that just became – Odell became so good and was open all the time – for huge plays and everything there that us us negative spotlight started getting put on Eli there and it put pressure on the situation because it was like people were showing like hey there's Odell he's gone for 60 throw him the ball and it wasn't happening so it became friction and then of course he went on with a little Wayne, little Wayne Josina Anderson and kind of implied that the quarterback was an issue and that was definitely a negative and that was 
Not very smart of him. But I think that was a different OBJ, too, an immature OBJ. I don't think he's the same way anymore. He can't be that way anymore. If he is that way to like what you were saying earlier, his butt's going to be gone. Nobody, He's not good enough or a proven enough, com- proven enough commodity right now to just be like, I can say or do whatever I want. Um, but, but Mike, I, I think you're onto something there. I think he's got great people skills, and I think this is going to help the OBJ uh, or Lamar Jackson soothe the waters with the Ravens. I think there'll be some effect there. Well, I think that's part of what they're paying for. That's yeah. part of what they're hoping for. That's part of what they're angling for here, that OBJ becomes the guy that gets through to Lamar. We can't get through to him. We have tried and we have tried and we have tried. Odell, can you help us? It's clearly in his interest because this is just the springboard for 2024 when maybe he gets the $20 million per year he's been looking for if he has a decent year with the Ravens. If Lamar Jackson is there greater chance that Odo Beckham Jr. is going to have the kind of year he needs to have than if it's Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown or someone else as the quarterback. One angle that kind of hit me last night after I had a chance to process everything, Todd Munkin, yeah. new offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, the last time he was in the NFL because he's been at Georgia for the last three years, right. 2019, it was his first and only year as the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, and that was Beckham's first year. And that's the last time Odell Beckham Jr. has had a 1,000-yard season in the National Football League. So and does that tell you Munkin anything? Munkin pulled it off. Yeah. Munkin pulled it off with a, a dysfunctional relationship that hadn't fully boiled over yet, but I remember when they traded for Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. Yeah. And we probably can play the tape back. I say Cleveland's not big enough for both of these guys. There's going to be a problem right. between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. As Baker Mayfield is morphing into, and it seems crazy to even think of it now, but at the time he was starting to morph into the next big thing in Cleveland post-LeBron James. Then here comes OBJ and he sucks the oxygen out of the room and all of a sudden Baker Mayfield's sharing the spotlight. And he went through the same thing eventually that you talked about with Eli Manning. Remember the highlight reel or low-light reel that was put out there right. right before it all blew up? All the times that OBJ was wide open, it's like Baker Mayfield wasn't even looking for him anymore. So Munkin got 1,000-plus yards out of Beckham with 16 starts from him and 16 starts from Baker Mayfield in 2019. Now, they were 6-10 and 10 that year, never mind that. But Beckham had an impact in his first year in Cleveland, and the guy who's going to be running the offense for his first year in Baltimore is the same dude. I assume that Munkin is happy to have OBJ there and that OBJ is happy to be working with Munkin. Now, again, if this was a PR move and they didn't bother to to connect the dots or think it through, I'd like to think they did. I think the Ravens are a sufficiently functional operation that they'll make sure Munkin has a plan for OBJ and that OBJ isn't like, oh, God, i got to work with that guy again. Uh, You better give me $15 million instead of $13 million to make me. you got to give me hazard pay to work with that guy again. I have a feeling that's not the case, so they wouldn't have done it. No, agreed. I think it's the opposite. I think, again, I think it's actually another inkling to go, look, here's Odell Beckham Jr. He's a lot more like than you realize in Cleveland. Here's another, you know, inkling to support that argument. You're right. I don't think the Ravens are going in and like trying to go, well, let's let's get OBJ and maybe that'll mess up the Lamar situation and this will really screw over Todd Monken and make things life comfortable. I would think yeah. that the overpaying or the premium happens more because of like what you were saying a second ago, more because the guys go, no, no, I like OBJ. Oh, no, no, we can do some things with him. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I there's I and and then even doing their due diligence probably with people with the Rams. And again, we've heard nothing but positive things from the Rams uh from from the get-go with OBJ there. So, yeah, I would think that that's a a positive thing that, you know, that he's back with Monken and Monken was there and they gave him this kind of money. It's obviously views him as a the guy that fits his culture and his offense. So, I'm excited. The Ravens are damn good. The Ravens like we talked about last week a little bit. I mean, they they were a Super Bowl team last year. They're still a Super Bowl team. Their defense is legit. Their O-line is still good. You couple and get Lamar back healthy with some of these guys, and I still look at the Ravens as one of the best teams in the NFL. It's just, damn, there's a lot of what-ifs we're talking about right now in early April. Well, and one of the big what ifs is what will this offense look like? Assuming Lamar Jackson is back, you've got some great running backs, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards still around. You've got Lamar Jackson, who's a great threat running the football. Do we see the beginning of the morphing of Lamar Jackson into a pocket passer, into a guy who looks to throw where there aren't as many designed runs? If we've learned nothing else, I mean, we've spent so much time, we, the media, have spent so much time knocking Lamar Jackson for being injured the past couple of years in December. Maybe the new approach in Baltimore, post-Greg Roman, maybe the new idea is we're going to take Lamar Jackson and we're going to design an offense that requires him to throw it more, that has fewer designed runs, that puts him at risk of injury in December or any other month of the season at a lower number than it was, than it has been when you have this guy just running down the field all the time, reckless abandon. I mean, how many times do we see Lamar Jackson truly run the ball like a running back where he's not trying to get down, he's not trying to get out of bounds, he's a battering ram. And at times he seemed indestructible. Yeah. Maybe they pivot away from this. Maybe that's the signal here, that we are bringing in Odo Beckham Jr., not so we can tell the world, hey, we're capable of getting a reluctant superstar to say yes to a contract offer, but they are changing their offense to something that gets more out of Lamar Jackson's throwing skills. And you're one of the great defenders. It's funny. Everybody thinks we hate Lamar Jackson simply because we've been looking out for him by saying he should hire an agent to get him the contract that he has earned. But you've been one of the ones at a time when, because there's that knee-jerk reaction, oh, he can't throw, oh, he stinks as a passer, oh, he's this, oh, he's that. He could be a pretty damn good passer especially if you give him some weapons, and now he's got one. Definitely. Exactly. He's, he's underrated. He's underappreciated as a passer. He is. And, you know, partly is that is, you know, of course his skill set running and then the way they orchestrated the offense and then it became it kind of took a life of its own and, oh, you don't want to play receiver there. And it, it's just been like a lot of negatives in that department. But what I'm going to go is I go, I go, I, I see a guy with an elite arm. I see a guy that makes a lot of good decisions in the pocket, throws the ball everywhere, and was in an offense that's not necessarily the greatest drop back pass, you know, pass offense I've ever seen as far as creative ideas. So when the run game and there was injuries to the O line and injuries to running backs and things like that, yeah, they're not as good in that department because they're not a team that was built on, hey, let's let's drop back and pass the ball forty five times a game. That's when we're at our best. They weren't built like that. I think you're right, Mike. I think they're going to go more in that direction. They're going to be selective Lamar Jackson and his running, which they've, they've tried to do here the last two years. 
right? And I think he is trying to play in the pocket more and be a more of a pocket passing quarterback. But I do think that yes, Todd Monken and Todd Munkin and, and company are going to bring this to, you know, a new look of an offense. We know the run game is still going to be a big part of it, but I would think it's going to be a little more featured around, hey, creative ideas in the drop back pass game, play action pass game, and let Lamar make big time throws. Lamar's arm is a special arm, and he has special releases, and I, I don't get it. I don't know why people don't give him more respect in that department, Mike. I don't. One other wrinkle to this Ravens adding OBJ story. Marlon Humphrey, Ravens cornerback, a few years yeah. ago when Beckham was playing for the Browns, they got into a little bit of a brouhaha on the field. Browns coaches were complaining about cheap shots. Beckham said he lost an earring, if you remember that. The I Ravens know. released a video that was trying to make it look like it wasn't Marlon Humphrey's fault, but that's all water under the bridge, as they say, because Marlon Humphrey has been part of this effort to convince Beckham to come to Baltimore. Want to be best friends and win a Super Bowl? Let's get it, Humphrey said on Twitter, and that was three weeks ago. So Humphrey's all over it, and uh, and Humphrey's happy that Beckham is there. So, uh, look... This is one of the realities of today's NFL where we see players change teams all the time. When yeah. you're locked onto a certain roster and you've got your opponent, certain things happen. When you're on the same team, you set that aside. It's not like the old days. We've talked about it in the 70s and the 80s. Like you said, your dad hated these other teams. It was always your guys against their guys. There wasn't intermingling in the offseason. Guys weren't changing teams. You didn't have a friend on the other roster that right. kind of help cool things yeah. down. right. You hated them. They hated you. Let's go get it on. Yeah, it's it's a different time. It is, and you know, it's because the world is so much smaller and social media, and these guys see each other in off season events. There's more of a, hey, we're off the field, and that was on the field, that was business, and now it's off the field, and it's cool, it's all love, it's good to see you. There is, so it's it's a different world that way. Uh, as far as the camaraderie between players on different teams and everything there. But I will say, and like, like Marlon Humphrey said in that tweet, looks like a Raven to me. Yeah, he's got those Raven chippy qualities, certainly, right? We've seen that. You know, they're, they're, they're good at finding those type of guys, whether it's you know the Marlon Humphreys, the LBJs, the Marcus Peters of the world, guys that – you know, aren't afraid to play with a little edge and show it to their football team. And I do think OBJ fits that Baltimore Raven mold in that, in that description, at least. Well, and th think about the times over the years where teams have tried to get inside Odell Beckham's head. Remember when they played the Panthers and there was that incident before the game where the defensive backs had baseball bats out on the field and then it got very chippy during the game. I never felt like the teammates of OBJ had his back the way that maybe they should have yeah. in those moments. Right, right. And I have a feeling in Baltimore, if somebody messes with Odell Beckham Jr., they're messing with all the Ravens, and it's going to turn into – so from that perspective, I know that the NFL frowns upon it, but could get interesting if somebody decides to get a little chippy with OBJ because I have a feeling a bunch of other Ravens are going to show up to that one. Well, we know the Ravens. They always – we like every year I kind of always feel like I'm saying, oh, here goes the Ravens pillaging the freakiest – freaks in the history of the football planet on their football team the biggest baddest dudes you've ever seen that's what they are i mean they are they're a team that walks off the bus and it's rare that they get bullied and we've talked about this they're the team that's going to do the bullying 
That's I mean, they're they're used to life in a division with the Pittsburgh Steelers and company, so that's the way they're 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 you know built there in Baltimore. Um, and OBJ certainly fits that, and we'll see where it goes. But I'm excited for Baltimore. I am. I think there's a lot of potential between you know the Ravens and OBJ, and especially if Lamar's there. You know, we've seen. I don't think OBJ's done by any stretch of the imagination. Health is the issue, but I would be shocked if he's if he's healthy. He's going to be a pain in the butt. We, I, I think we know that he's been working, and there's going to be real explosion and route running, and I think there's a potential for something good here in Baltimore with, with OBJ there. It's going to make the 2023 season more interesting, and it's going to make the balance of the offseason more interesting up to the moment that Lamar Jackson signs a contract. And it would be ticker tape parade time in Baltimore if OBJ can get Lamar Jackson to the table to sign a long-term deal right now not up against the july 17 deadline but let's just get something worked out let's do it now let's get this contract fair for both sides negotiated and finalized so we can get to work hey lamar get your contract signed so you can get to work with me i'm telling you i think that's part of what the ravens are trying to pull off here and if it works they were at the point where nothing was working if this works congratulations you finally figured out how to crack the code to get lamar jackson to sign an offer that's fair to him, fair to you, fair to everyone, and he shows up to get ready for the season. Because that's the other side of this, too. This impasse lingers. He misses all of the offseason program, first year with a new offensive coordinator. Who does that help? Holds out a training camp, shows up just before the start of the season and collects his franchise tag salary, if he even does that. Who does that help? Doesn't help him, doesn't help the team. Now you've got a freaking magnet to get Lamar Jackson to show up. You got a guy that is going to make Lamar Jackson more inclined to want to be there, to want to be there and get the most out of his new offense, get the most out of his skill set, and come out and prove people wrong, that he can get the football via the air down the field to a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. It just makes me wonder what else the Ravens have up their sleeve. Because this does seem desperate, it does seem borderline reckless, but it makes me wonder, is there something else that we don't know about going on? And do they believe that OBJ is going to be the closer? I have a feeling at some level they think OBJ is going to be the closer for Lamar. Right? Yeah, I agree. I'm, I think we're both there in that discussion, yes, 100%. All right, before we take a break, and usually we waste time talking about things. Don't, don't cut me off yet, because I have to share some important information that I've obtained. Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. So for future planning, folks, assuming that input that we have received via email is accurate, that's when the next Easter will be and so on. Hey, folks at the Masters, take that into account when you're setting your schedule. Second, uh, you go to the grocery store every week because you like the routine, but you don't go to church. I'm going to skip right past that one. And third and finally is your Easter egg violation, something you should have confessed to. And I got a lot of opinions about forcing little kids to go to confession. I remember there is nothing. I've been to confession. And and look, I don't know. If I'm going to hell for it, trust me, there's a lot more stuff I'm going to hell for. If failing to go to confession is the thing that that, that tips the, the, the scales against me. But few, like as 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 vividly as I recall reading the newspaper and seeing that Tom Watson had made 350000 by September on the PGA Tour, that stress of sitting in the pew to have to go in and confess your sins as an 8-year-old, 9-year-old to a priest, I'm still scarred by that, too. We've talked in the past about things I'm scarred by, but holy crap. I mean, you're 9 years old. What, do you, what does a 9-year-old do that you could even – I had to make some stuff up, which was probably a sin in and of itself. Anyway, I did not confess the – the uh, 
coloring of the Bam. non-boiled egg that some Catholic that, uh, you are that my dad busted. Some Catholic does that you are. does that count as not honoring your father know, and mother? Dude, if I don't it does, know. If you're a Catholic, again, you're a Catholic. A... Go all in. It just sounds like hey, you're dipping you your toe what? in. It sounds like you're soft in that department. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to say, hey, I, just, Mr. Just... Priest Man, I'm sorry, but I have him peeing in the garbage can in the kitchen. Can I get a little yeah. relief from that? <laughs> Is that really a sin, though? If you got to go, you got to go. I think that's I think that's an asterisk at the bottom of the stone tablets. Okay. Uh, yep. Asterisk. If you got to go, you got to go. And and I at this point at this point, let me just say one last thing. Um, I, I, and I say this facetiously. I'm not even going to say it. I won't say. It. I will say it. W- once you accept the fact you're going to hell, like just enjoy your life. At that point, you're already going to hell. Like why 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 let anything wow. why let the norms of society drag you down? Yeah. You're already just keep going being to hell. Shitty. Just so keep being shitty. Just that's enjoy right. your life. Yeah, You've just, already yeah. you're unredeemable. You're already going to that's hell. That's not I'm Catholic. Well, you're, I thought, that's not Catholic too. I'm Catholic, kidding. you can be in hell in the last day, save it all, go back to heaven. That's Catholic, that's right? I don't know. You so. just ha- you better. Hey. You better, hey, you better, you better not get into a car accident on your way to confession when you're ready to, when you're ready to redeem yourself. You better live long enough to get your redemption or you're not getting in. And look, I say all that and I know we have to break, but do you? My wife and I are, are we ever going to break? Yesterday. Are we ever going to get there to the next subject today? Come can on, say, hurry up. Can I just say one last thing? Yeah. Can I just say one last thing? Yeah, you said and that I'm seven probably times. Get threats. I'm probably going to get threats. I'm probably going to get nasty emails. But my wife and I were having this conversation. It's, it's, nobody knows. We said this not that long ago. Nobody knows what happens when we die. We're all just doing the best we can to figure it out, right? But I can't imagine that a God that supposedly loves us individually, that created us individually, every one of us, and loves every single one of us, like their own children, okay? If God loves each of us the way we love our own children, is it even fathomable that he would send us into an endless pile of fire, burning and tormented and in agony for all eternity because of the dumb shit we did while we were alive as human beings. Would we do that to our own children? If the answer to that is no, then why would God do it to any of us? That's my, that's the foundation for my belief that there is no hell. There can be no hell. That that was just something that was used years ago to scare people into acting the right way at a time when humanity was more primitive. Does that make, do you buy, do you, do you, do you follow me at all on that? I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it just, you know, uh, I, I don't know what I believe there as far as, you, you know, I think good things happen to good people. If you act like a jerk and you're bad that yes, you don't know what's going to happen to your soul after you're dead. And yeah, I'm sorry. You might be in the damn burning pit. My, I yeah, think nothing. I, no, yeah. I think it's just, I think for the, for the truly evil people, you're just done. That's it. You don't get to enjoy the afterlife. It's it's not heaven or hell. It's heaven or nothing. Right. That's my theory. And you know what? I may never know the difference because I may be on the highway to nothing. Let's go ahead and take a break. Oh, what happens with the Jets now that they don't get Odell Beckham Jr.? We'll break that down when PFT Live continues. Let's talk right about heaven and hell more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.